Hey y'all, you're listening to Damsels in Detroit, the podcast all about women from the city that are killing it in their industries. I'm your host, Evan Webb. Each week, I invite a damsel to come on and talk with me about their life, careers, and why Detroit girls do it better. Hey y'all, we're back with another episode of Damsels in Detroit. This is episode 47, and we're going to be talking about science today. I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm here with Deirdre Roberson, and I'm going to read a little bit about her before we get into our questions. Deirdre Roberson is the founder and CEO of You Melanin, a clothing and jewelry brand that merges her scientific and creative side. Deirdre wanted to use her talents and life experiences to address issues of colorism that exist around the world. Deirdre grew up in Southwest Detroit, a community made up of Black Americans, Latin Americans, and Arab Americans. In her community, she witnessed firsthand how skin tones and shades were used to separate and invalidate us. Umelanin was created to challenge those behaviors and thought processes that don't honor any of us. Umelanin started as a brand, but Deirdre says it has grown into her therapy. She believes that we all have the power to empower, love, and teach. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. It's snowing. It's cold. Yes. I appreciate you. No problem. <laughs> um, so if you're ready, we can hop right on in. I am ready. Okay. So I didn't go into super detail about this in your bio, but you have a chemistry background. And whenever people study any type of science, I'm just always interested to learn why. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I my brain does not work that way. I'm definitely like an English person. Like give me words, give me books. But I want to know why you decided to go into science. So it's crazy. So um, at one point I thought I wasn't going to be a medical doctor. Okay. Um, and I actually went to CAS and we had our majors and I actually signed up for like the health sciences major. So you initially started off taking biology honors okay. and like things like that. But I fell in love with chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like I had the best chemistry teachers um, when I was at CAS. And then I also had an organic teacher there and it just, it just came easy to me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I mean, it was really easy for me. Okay. And so I just stuck with it. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to college and major in chemistry. And I was like, you know, I was very like self-aware kid. And my mm-hmm. mom was like, well, whatever, you know, as long as you get in and to pay for it. And, um, just even from then, like went to Xavier university in Louisiana. Okay. Um, so it's actually the number one school for creating black doctors and scientists, like in the whole country. I didn't know that. Um, like no school tops it. Okay. Um, so, and just being around all other black kids like me, mm-hmm. it was crazy. And it just really created this environment and allowed us to grow and foster our, um, grow our abilities. And so ever since then, like in college, again, it came easy. Like I think um, I got a C on a test and I was like, oh, you may need to study. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it just really came easy to me. And, um. As I was in college, I was like, do I really want to be a medical doctor? I did some shadowing, and I'm like, oh, I got to tell people that their loved ones passed? Like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Okay. And so I was like, what do I do with that? Um, so then I went on and came back home and actually did my master's at University of Detroit Mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I majored in biochemistry with an emphasis in medicinal chemistry. Okay. Um, and again, like, I just loved it. I love studying, like, just different chemicals, different drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of took that into the career fields and how I worked in different labs, um, worked as an environmental scientist for the city. So just different things like that. But I've just fell in love with chemistry. Like no one in my family. Yeah. Chemistry. It was just like, it found me. Okay. <laughs> so it was pretty natural how it all happened, but it's yeah. so I still look at it as a very intimidating subject because so whenever you start, mixing like numbers 
in where I feel like numbers do not belong. (laughs) I don't understand this. Like physics was crazy to me. Like, so I just think you're the smartest person ever, right? (laughs) No, you're way smart. (laughs) So what would you say it is about chemistry and science as a whole that excites you the most? Um, So I like the idea of being able to get to sometimes a solution, like Mm -hmm. even sometimes with chemistry, um, which I love more than biology is because there's an end game. You know, it's not memorization. It's actually reasoning. It's actually solving a problem. And sometimes I actually even like that it can take time. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you're in a lab, you don't get immediate results. It kind of just kind of a model for life. Like everything doesn't happen overnight. Um, You kind of come and check on things. And just understanding, you know, it helped me understand just how things work all around me, right? Mm-hmm. Chemistry is like almost in everything. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the cool things that I started to uncover as I got older, as I had to st- as I started to get deeper into chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just like, I don't know, I'm a geek a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah, like that's just kind of Yeah. Do you just sit at home sometimes and just start mixing stuff up just to see what it does? <laughs> So I, I don't anymore because okay. it's just like sometimes it can be taxing because like it never like that's the thing. Things are never as comes out as you want them to be mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just different. So many different things go into making it. But people ask me all the time, like, I don't got nothing else to do. <laughs> hey, I was thinking about making this hair product or you think you can make me this face acne lotion mm-hmm. or something like that. And I'm like that, you know, I want to release it by the end. I'm like, well, you know research and development I'm at least give you three months like it's so funny even when I came back home from school like everybody was asking me to make stuff for them I'm mm-hmm. like yeah that's kind of not how this works right so yeah I can definitely see hair products being the number one oh for sure people ask for for sure I would just okay that's what you get for Christmas <laughs> I'll make you some hair butter or whatever right <laughs> Okay, so you started you melanin um, to combat the issues of colorism that you experienced growing up. So if you don't mind sharing, what would you say were some of the earliest memories that you can think of of where that was an issue for you? Or like when you heard people, you know, making comments either about you or a friend or somebody else um, in regards to like skin complexion and tone? Yeah, so I never mind sharing because literally my company is built around yeah. it. Um, but I can think of it as far back as to when I was a young girl and like being called whether like darky or different mm-hmm. things like that growing up. But I'm talking like five, yeah. you know, and these things and not really understanding mm-hmm. what people meant by them or not even seeing that it was something like I can do to change that and why I was being looked at that way. So I feel like it was at a very, you know, time when we're all young and we're just um, just didn't understand what was kind of going on. So mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I remember like high school, I had a counselor and she was like, my complexion are darker. And she even told me like, you're so pretty for a dark skinned girl. And I'm like, you grown as hell. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? She, she and it was internalized that somebody told that to her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so crazy. And I was just kind of mind blown. And, um, my whole family is pretty dark. Um, this is my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Either my complexion or maybe some a little bit lighter. So I never had insecurities around it yeah. until the outside world got mm-hmm. involved, right? Like, and I was just like, well, what's y'all problem? You know, right. and I just really didn't understand because at home I was getting taught one thing or being loved, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, don't even say regardless, just being loved, right? right? And so my family looked like me. My sisters look like me. I have, I'm one of four girls. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I would go outside the house, I would hear all these different things about my skin tone like how is this always a topic of conversation right. you know and even like when you get to the age when you start liking guys and when you start dating like things like guys actually dated 
early on in college would be like, you're the first dark skinned girl I dated. And I'm just like, and I'll be the last. Right. Do you want to go by? And that's why we didn't work out. Yeah. Like that's not a compliment. So yeah, I can just always remember. And it's kind of sad now that you think about it. And I reflect on it. I always remember it being there, mm-hmm. you know, till one time I even was dating a guy. And we're at his family's house for like a holiday event. And his cousin, again, somebody probably my complexion, mm-hmm. looked over across the table and was like, you are so pretty for a dark skin girl. And he know that drove me. And he like looked at me like, no, <laughs> don't say anything to her. Because I'm extremely outspoken. I'm about to flip this pan yeah. of mac and cheese over. Yes. Dinner is done. Exactly. And it was just so funny. Like, I probably was in my 20s at that point. Um, but yeah, just it's always kind of been there mm-hmm. uh, when I think about that, when we were always talking about beauty and looks or dating, and, you know, relationships, it kind of just always came up one way or another. Mm-hmm. Now, did you look at it as when people would say that to you, like, you, this is a form of like self-hate or maybe you just haven't been educated like I have or what kind of role did you play? Because I know some people are not interested in like teaching mm-hmm. other people the correct way or, you know, everything is not a teachable moment to everyone. So how did you operate in those situations? So I feel it was um different experiences at different times. Mm-hmm. At one point, um, I think not knowing, you know, at one point I thought it was a compliment, mm-hmm. right? And then at another point, it came from a place of anger for me. And it's just like, whatever, I'm pretty because I look better than people you know. You know, just kind of like, you know, not understanding like these people are not educated or they have, you know, the way they look at themselves mm-hmm. is why they're speaking this way. Um, And then as I got older, like college days, it was just like, yeah, you know, that's really not a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even get or understand what you're trying to say. And it kind of, I kind of came from a place of trying to teach people. Mm-hmm. But also, I also realized during that time is people weren't ready for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I'm also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Mm-hmm. So I remember like I corrected somebody when they were talking about, um, you're too dark to be that or this. And I'm like, well, you don't even know my founders. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that correction, he, they literally was like, well, hit dogs holler. I'm like, no, I'm, you're wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's just really interesting on different parts of you know, my life, how I had to address it. And, mm-hmm. you know, even how my level of self-awareness addressed yeah. it. Like at one point feeling like I was being attacked. Well, it is a sense of attack. Yeah. You know, but sometimes people are really saying it for a compliment. And that's the crazy part. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a compliment. It's not at all. Yeah. And like the way that I don't, my friend keeps saying like, audacity is on sale. <laughs> and it is because just the matter that you feel so comfortable walking up to somebody that you don't know or don't know very well and saying things like that and expect them to have a certain reaction is pretty insane. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, thank you so much for acknowledging me. (laughs) No, thank you. I'd rather you just leave me alone. Carry on. Yeah. So how did you make sure that you weren't being like super, super affected by that or like that, that wasn't breaking your confidence all the way down? Like, are you like an affirmation type of girl? Mm -hmm. Was your family just like, very strong and very like it doesn't matter like don't worry about them or what were some of the methods that you used to make sure your confidence did not suffer so I think um and this was probably a blessing in disguise like I was just really not even into guys at an early age or Mm -hmm. like dating or anything like that I Mm -hmm. was really about like I played softball like I was just that was just really not a level of my focus so Mm -hmm. it kind of like I I heard it I felt it, but it didn't change the way I felt about myself mm-hmm. on top of having my family structure at home yeah. and people looking like me. And I felt accepted there. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder when you have no place that you're accepted. Yeah. Like we've heard stories of like the one dark sister or cousin or something like that mm-hmm. and seeing how that played out. But, um, 
I didn't internalize that, right? Because I had people, you know, who celebrated me, who told me I was beautiful. My grandfather was so adamant about that. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I founded my company on his birthday uh-huh. because um, he, um, he actually passed on my 13th birthday, but he was so adamant about telling us and affirming in us who we mm-hmm. are. So I'm like, well, my grandfather already told me right. this. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, lo- I do too love a good affirmation. I do, uh, you know, just you know, setting your mind for how you're going to maneuver to the world and not letting the outside dictate who you are. Um, I strongly feel like even as we raise children, as we grow up and we address these issues, we have to stop allowing the world to put so much into them and allow them to push themselves in the world. Mm -hmm. And I always say that. And I think, um, my family structure, my family and how it was affirmed really helped with that. So, you know, that even like, I don't think if it wasn't for like my grandfather and all this affirming that I experienced that you melanin wouldn't even exist. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the way I dealt with it. That's the way, you know, I was able to brush it off, but I had that support and I know that doesn't exist for everybody. Right. Well, shout out to your granddaddy. <laughs> we love him. We do. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know, can you tell us the chemical makeup of melanin because that is posted everywhere on your page Mm -hmm. and I'm like I see these letters and I know that this means something but I don't know what it means yeah so um (laughs) it's really interesting because people ask about that all the time so when you look at the structure you see like um what you don't see though and to even expel it out a little more so each corner on the hexagon is representative of a carbon. Okay. Right? So the chemical structure, it's an organic compound, um, which is naturally found. Mm-hmm. Since, you know, it's, it's usually uh, made up of carbon, hydrogens, oxygens. Um, then you also see like the NH on there. People are always asking me what that is. But, you know, if um, science periodic table, it's um, pretty much nitrogen, hydrogen. But how they all combine, how they all come together, it what makes it melanin. Mm-hmm. Right. And now melanin is present in everybody. Right. Okay. Um, so... That's like the overarching idea. Mm-hmm. But the reason I decided to name my company You Melanin is because that's the specific type of melanin responsible for the color of black and brown skin and hair. Okay. Right. So I wanted to make sure I drive that home. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and we all, when I say we all have melanin, it's three different types of melanin. So you have You uh, Melanin, Feel Melanin, and Neuromelanin. Okay. Neuromelanin is found in the brain. Feel Melanin is usually responsible for red hair and freckles. And then You Melanin is responsible for brown skin. Okay. You know, and the different, you know, levels of how your skin complexion shows up, the potency of the melanin, okay. you melanin specifically. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the uh, whole idea. And it's so funny when I popped in my head and I put up that nobody had the website or mm-hmm. the .org, I was like, oh, y'all sleeping on us. <laughs> like, that's how I just knew, like, y'all don't care about black and brown people. Yeah. The fact that I was like able to slash, snatch up you melanin um, and Early 2018? Yeah. It's, like, ridiculous. Right, because I feel like that's when a lot of people were putting melanin on a lot of stuff, like mm-hmm. shirts, hats, bags, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that right. is pretty shocking. Yeah, so I was like, well, got y'all. Right, well, it was just made for you. It was just waiting exactly. on you. Exactly. Like, so that was really cool. And even now, I own the trademark to the word you melanin. Mm-hmm. So, like, no one can use that. Yes. So. Or you'll get sued. Hello, lawsuit. Oh, right. <laughs> can we talk about the trademarking process? Because I know it's like expensive, but I don't know how expensive. And I also don't know the process of getting something trademarked. If it seems like it's a little lengthy or no. So it can be. Okay. Um, so to go into detail, it's not as expensive until you hire a lawyer. Okay. So to do your basic trademark usually costs you either two twenty five or two fifty, depending okay. on what lane you want to go down. Um, but all the additional cost comes in is to have a lawyer do it. Okay. The thing with that is you probably want to have a lawyer do it to make sure you are checking off all the um, correct boxes. So mm-hmm. 
when I did Umelanin's first trademark, I did not have a lawyer do it. Okay. Um, at all. So I tried to push it through myself and mm-hmm. it didn't work. So they like suspended it and like all these things. But oh. as my company was growing, I started working with the University of Michigan Law School. Okay. And they went back. And this is why I think sometimes you just need people to advocate for you. They literally switched over. That the, they had an attorney handling my case and the melanin was pushed through. Okay. I got a notification the next day after hmm. we switched to attorneys. So I was like, y'all fraud. <laughs> but then I think the company. So it's also a couple of things that are always at play. Your company has to be well known in its lane for them even to approve it. Or it has to be like so basic that nobody else, if it has like colors, if it's a logo you made up, that's an easy kind of trademark to get through. Mm -hmm. But like mine is just a a word. Right. Right. I uh, like whether you put it in whatever color, I kind of own it. And you want to, when you file it, you want to file it in something like a black and white image. That means you can put it in any color. Okay. You could do all these things. Some people will file it. With say I could have filed it with the word melon in brown. Mm-hmm. But that means if you put it in black or somebody puts it in yellow, they can do that. Okay. So you want to kind of have a general filing when you do it and kind of just like ring everything in. And then you also have the classes you can file it for. So that's okay. where it gets a little pricier. So for every class, it's additional 225. Oh, okay. So that's kind of where it gets um but once you get your first approval, you can easily just snatch up the other classes. Okay. Um, and they're always looking to make sure you're either selling product or it's being used mm-hmm. um, at the time of filing. Right. Like, don't just reserve it and then. Not and, but you can. Okay. But they're going to make sure every so often they're going to follow back up. Like, are you using it? Okay. They're going to have to extend it. You know, it's going to just be constantly working on it. It costs to do that. Okay. So you can snatch it up. So. Even after I got approved for you, Melanin, I put up Beyonce and Jay-Z and see how they did it. And I yeah. was like, oh, I need to pretty much copy this. Like, you can really, once you learn, and just, just going to USPTO, you can look up all trademarks. Okay. You can look up everything Beyonce put over Blue Ivy's name mm-hmm. and, like, all the children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of do a little bit of your own research. But it's, it's just because you actually do need a lawyer advocating for it. Because I think it's like, oh, a few million trademarks that exist now. Yeah. So you just want to be careful. Um, but it, the process is just, it's not hard, but it's just, it can be lengthy. Okay. So it took me almost a year to get the U-Melon approved. Like once I switched over, mm-hmm. um, I got the initial, um, it's been approved and it takes about another six months for everything to go through the official workings. Okay. So that was the longest one I had. Yeah. So then after that, I got one approved in three months and then like wow. another two. And I'm just like, really? So <laughs> I was like, y'all had me stressed out. Right. But. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Thank you. Um, So right now on your site, you have an assortment of tees, you have hats, sweatshirts, jewelry. So are you manufacturing everything yourself? Do you like go through someone to help you? Can you tell me the process? Yes. So I do not manufacture um, things myself. Well, not all things. So I'll explain. So I graduated from high school with the people who run Detroit versus everybody. Okay. Um, When I launched you, Melanin, they were starting up a printing company. It was like, run it through us. Okay. They gave me the best prices. Those are my friends. (laughs) Um, When COVID-19 hit and everybody else who was drop shipping and had all kinds of production process, I went into their warehouse. They taught me how to run their massive machine. And I was able to get all my orders out. Nice. So it's just that network, that connection that we have there. So they still run all my stuff, all my prints. Mm -hmm. Um, I have my own shipping facility and then I work with uh, a young lady who owns a jewelry brand called Gilform and she produces after we design my jewelry she produces and manufactures my jewelry so I try to do everything Detroit based Okay. Um, and actually all the producers manufacturers I work with are actually black owned businesses too so just doing that circle um, economy with them 
Um, but I have been um, doing some other things I actually. So, so like all the masks I actually make, um, I just released some beanies um, that I'm adding satin okay. linings to. So, nice. um, and we're actually working on our new line and I'll be like approving all the seams on that and kind of doing all the sample sewing, but making sure as we design, we design with functionality for black and brown people. Like what is yeah. a beanie without satin lining yeah. for our hair or like, you know, our next set of earrings, what is you know, earrings that weigh down our ears, you know? Mm -hmm. So just really thinking intentionally about that design. And I think that's something that's been missing when people are saying they're designing for us, like definitely bringing my fabric and my color palette to light Mm -hmm. to celebrate how we uh, appear, our skin and our tones, but like also the functionality of the wear is something we're about to dive deep into with our next collection. Yeah. That satin lining is very important. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I don't wear a lot of hats because of that reason. Cause it's so drying and like, Mm -hmm your hair gets smushed and like, I don't, I don't no love. do this no love at all but um definitely love your color palette that you use especially with the mask because I'm like this is like a true nude like if you wanted to make it look like you didn't have a mask on but you do because of course we're all wearing them mm-hmm. but I'm like this is there's one for everyone yeah <laughs> so definitely like really thinking intentionally about that so yeah. as we go through our next design process and we should be releasing our new line so we're going to be dropping the logo off. Um, our you melanin logo is going to be on everything, but like probably in a not as visible way. Okay. I mean, we're really going to be honing in on focusing on the well-constructed clothing, but also the tone. So really mm-hmm. just trying to bring the richness of the tones. Um, the interesting thing is it's been really hard trying to source the fabrics. Okay. So, you know, I'm probably going to have to start a factory and start making it myself with my chemistry skills, yeah. but that's down the road. But I'm like, wow, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, Again, they weren't thinking about us. Right. I have a friend. She makes lingerie and she was talking like on her Instagram story about how difficult it is. Like and then even ordering fabrics from offline is like that's so risky because, Mm -hmm. you know, people Photoshop. People have different ways where they can make something look more looks or make it look make the colors look brighter. And then you get it. And it's totally different than what you order. Now it's like one. Can I send this back? Two, I just wasted money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very difficult. And I know some of these fabric shops are not really. And then it's not that many fabric there's shops. There's not that many. And then like, okay, there's Joann's. Yes, Joann's has held us down for a long time. But like, what if you want something a little bit more? And then there's Haberman's. But then that's very expensive. And I've only been there a couple of times, but I've heard the customer service is not all yeah, of that. not the greatest. So, yeah, it's like what now right and um so just even learning the process so what I even learned too is like with my chemistry degree I can actually finish fabrics so okay um when I say finish it is fabrics usually come in a gray form mm-hmm. right and you could add the color to them you can add the finish like is it going to be a, a fleece or anything like that all that kind of comes to the chemical process mm-hmm. of making the fabric so that's something I've really been studying and researching okay. down. so I something I can actually bring to fruition down the line okay um but yeah, it's just so much like I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know there's so much science involved yeah. in it. So just another intersection there for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, because um, if we don't make it, they're not going to make it for us. Right. or They're going to make it and charge us mm-hmm. um, for something that we shouldn't have to be paying extra for. Yeah. So everything for black people should just be free. why do i have to pay for everything and then why do i have to pay taxes where's my reparations you know can i get a little bit of something right can we put ta-nehisi coats on one of the cabinets because we need somebody to drive this home we like today right now 
So what would you need in order to like start doing that? Is it like a machine? Oh, it's like ton of machines. Like, you know, even how you like after you um, send it through a process, like how do you pull all the water out of it? And like Mm -hmm. how much water? And there's also a lot of sustainability issues you need to address with um, those processes. But like all these, all these factories don't even exist in the U.S. anymore. They like literally outsource anything. Yeah. So that's why when COVID-19 happened, it took us a month to get masks for mm-hmm. hospital workers. Right. Um, but yeah, so we need to kind of come back and bring, you know, skilled trades and uh, manufacturing back home because okay. it's actually, we're really losing because of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause everybody is just like pushing the college narrative, which works for some, but it does not work for everybody. So it's like, if I don't want to go to a four year, two year university, what is my option? Um, and I think people just talk, down I mean I know people are like getting more into the conversation and like you know trying to push it but like for so long I feel like people talk down on trade schools or like oh you you didn't go to blank blank university you went to it's like no because you're gonna need to call somebody when you need plumbing done Mm -hmm. when you need fabrics when you need you know so it's like why why not and there are well-paid jobs some of those jobs are you coming out with those degrees yeah ain't even giving you some of these skilled trade workers jobs so it's really interesting um, to hear people talk about that and it's like it's so funny even when I think about my experience my school was amazing I feel like it got me um, around more people like me it Mm -hmm. got me to experience things like me but all the chemistry knowledge and like things I've learned about chemistry and fashion I didn't learn none of that right like I didn't even learn about you melanin in undergrad so it's just like it it did set the table for you to you know you could feel capable of learning Mm -hmm. But we all don't need that, you right. know. And I feel like um, it opened me up to the possibilities, but it didn't even open up the possibilities to all the things I could do with chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. I'm finding this out, I, you know, just living in life and experience and be like, oh, well, why can't do that? Right. So it's really interesting. Um, when yeah. I hear people, like, against, you know, or advocating, like, you must go to college. I mean, like, I must get $100,000 in debt. Like, that's not the truth. And I'm not paying my loans back. (laughs) First of all, Joe Biden in office. Listen, so I'm waiting. When they sent that deferment email, I said, listen, I was already ahead of your pal. Right. (laughs) I'm not making this payment Y'all shouldn't even be charging us. That's exactly how I feel. And if you are going to charge me, it definitely shouldn't be that much. Like. I should not. I mean, granted, mine were a lot lower than like some of my peers, but even so, at the end of the day, like me owing somebody five figures worth of money just for learning. Mm-hmm. And then to come back and work in your economy and make sure it booms right. and take on a position. So, yeah. At the very least, I feel like if you don't charge me all of this, you could set me up with a job like immediately after I graduate, but you didn't do it. Or tell all my employees, well, since you wouldn't hear her up. Uh, Starting uh, must be six figures right. out of college. Okay. Right. right. You didn't even do that. Right. You just say, here you go. This is what we need from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're also the co-founder of a couple of things. Um, so you have the Lab Drawer, you have Motor City Steam, and also the Juneteenth Festival. So would you mind talking more about those endeavors and like how you're juggling everything? Yeah, so it's actually a real juggle right now. But uh, luckily, they kind of have different seasons when they've boomed, so it's worked in my favor. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the nonprofit I co-founded was called Motor City STEAM Foundation. And okay. we were just making sure we taught um, more black and brown students about STEM at earlier ages because we wanted to affect the outcomes. Like, why we're not taking on these STEM uh, fields? Why do we mm-hmm. think, like, science is scary? You can't even have you mentioned earlier yeah. because if you were introduced to some things in middle school and then you see it in high school, it's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what our counterparts are being introduced to. It's not that they're better at it. It's right. like their parents have been having them doing STEM and all that. Well, it's called STEM now. Yeah science and math and all these things um so we started there and that's what actually gave birth to the lab door right Mm -hmm. we was like if we want to continue to do this work how do we sustain it right so we literally was like hey let's throw these stem boxes together send them out to the homes people will love this kind of tested the market and that's kind of when we started booming um and so you know and then it was like kind of up and down for the lab drawer. But this summer when COVID hit, I think all the teachers, all the parents realized that they mm-hmm. didn't really know how to teach them education. When I tell you my email blew up from Wayne State University, like all these different people are working with K through 12 so mm-hmm. we can actually help educate students in STEM. Because me, as well as my co-founder, um, now I have my master's in chemistry. She has her PhD in okay. organic chemistry. So not only do we design curriculum, but we also taught a lot of students, um, hundreds of students. And we sent out thousands of boxes over okay. the summer. So luckily, it was a summer thing that really extremely boomed and actually had time, you know, during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Juneteenth Festival, that was actually just a love, right? Yeah. So I remember, and it's crazy how we look now and like, it's a big thing now. Mm-hmm. When I first launched it, like nobody did not believe in that shit. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, y'all don't know what this is. This is Juneteenth. And I'm like trying to rally people up. It was so many things said about it. And I'm just like, we need to be celebrating this. We need to understand what it is. Right. And so I just got friends together, um, had a mentor and we threw it in um, Brush, Brush Park. Mm-hmm. And so we had a space, you know, we got a lot of things going on. And so we didn't do it this year because of COVID, but right. like, then we seen so much. Everybody was hitting me up, like, everybody trying to do Juneteenth now. I was like, you wasn't showing up, though, okay. either, you know? <laughs> So it was really interesting, and it's something I definitely want to give another go, because that was yeah. strictly a passion project. Like, it wasn't no, like, we spent a lot of money. Right. You know, we were just, like, we charged people, like, a dollar to get in. Okay. And we donated to a nonprofit, but it was just like, you know, the idea for that and how that's to grow. And that's why I'm like, you know, glad I'm growing out these other companies. so I can really go back and we can probably put some money into that when we do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, Juneteenth should be able to grow large enough to be a Coachella. Like there was no, Ju- and then, yeah. you know, we had to get it approved by the city of Detroit. There was yes. not a Juneteenth festival in Detroit at the time. They even tried to do something small last year. Um, or doing COVID, mm-hmm. but it was just like completely overlooked. People was like, I can't believe nobody ever thought of this. It's like, yeah, it's pretty shame. Yeah. You know, so we even reached out to historians to make sure we had things right. And it's even like how, you know, black slaves, even like in Detroit. Right. So at one mm-hmm. point Detroit, people were free. Mm-hmm. Then they went back into slavery. Like, you know, it was just like all these really interesting facts around it. And so we really, really want to bring light to that. Yeah. And so we can celebrate that. Um, But that's kind of been dormant. Like, you know, we've kind of talked about doing it again. Possibly we'll probably do it for 2021. Okay. Um, but you know, I keep it on my page though. Cause it was just so important to yeah. me. Like it was so necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even I told one of my friends that they were saying like, uh, everybody's doing Juneteenth. I was like, but that was the whole point. Right. For right? everybody yeah, to, to get informed. Yeah. So I was like, more. it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if we're going to like make sure we throw the best festival, we got to do that. Yes. <laughs> you know, you don't just get that <laughs> right to the lane. So, you know, I'm, I'm still excited that so many people now are thinking about Juneteenth, mm-hmm. celebrating Juneteenth. And it happens in such a dope month. Like, we got yeah. a whole holiday in June. So I I'm know. Like, and that's really more. Nice. I would love to see that as, like, a Coachella-ish type situation. Girl, you just that's, fell out of my head. That is, like, like a black, just, like, a big black party. And that's Whether it's it just one be. day or, like, a weekend. Long. Exactly. Yes. yes. 
Okay, let's start planning now. Yeah, so what, needs, what needs to be done? All right. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> so with the lab drawer, how are you coming up with the different topics um, for each box? Because I can imagine that takes a lot. And, like, you want to make sure that you're introducing different lessons and not, you know, things that are like, okay, well, maybe they learned this already. Or, like, how can I present this information in an exciting way? these kids so it's really interesting so what we focus on is steam right so a lot of companies focus on stem so with steam mm-hmm. we include the arts and we like right. to pull the arts out of the experiments so what we found is like a lot of times like the experiments just don't use that piece mm-hmm. so sometimes we'll take experiments that the kids have may have done sometimes they probably never seen it but we add this extra component like we did this one project and I don't know if I'm getting too sciencey but it was like (laughs) it was like called the iodine clock and like they literally pour these different solutions back and forth and it takes about 50 to 70 times and then Mm -hmm. it just changes colors from like this clear to this chocolate black you know in front of their eyes Mm -hmm. so we told them like this is something you could use as a magic trick okay you know right so like putting that whole art spin on it because we even did um you know our research and the other research that exists out there shows like kids who like magic or act or dance are like 22 times more likely to win a Nobel Prize in science okay. like all that really matters and we wanted to kind of bring that full circle like a lot of times and we were taught this as well like you really just need to focus on science or you really mm-hmm. just need to major in chemistry not that do that and do photography and act and dance and like celebrate all these other things that are unique to you mm-hmm. um, so that's what we're really trying to bring forth out of the kids and like out of even all our stuff to this day like that's why you melanin exists yeah so I love that because I do feel like arts are forgotten about I feel like because I played an instrument like for a very long time so I and I still feel like I know some stuff of course I can't like pick up my instrument today and be as good as I was but like there is I mean even though I don't like math there is math involved Mm -hmm. there is like a lot of like technical things that you need to know so is it too late for me to like win a Nobel Peace Prize? No, it's not. And you're so funny. Like, and that's the whole point. You said like it's math involved, even though I don't like math. Mm-hmm. But that's how you get a kid to like math, yeah. right? When you like, oh, you was doing math here. Like, right. oh, I guess I do like math. Yeah. I just don't like when my teacher tell me to solve right. a page for the yes, problem. I don't like the equation. Mm-hmm. But like notes and things. Like that was, I guess, a better way to present it to me. And you could definitely um pick your instrument back up and win a Nobel Prize. You know, Thank you. me and my co-founder was thinking like, and we were just talking about this the other day because I actually used to play the flute. And I was like, if I could take a year off, mm-hmm. like every five years, if I was given a year off, what would I study? Or what's something that I would just like dive really deep into? Yeah. And I think, I wonder what all of us would do, right? Mm-hmm. If we just were given a year off, everything was taken care of and you can just dive deep into one of your passions or some forgotten skill. I can only pick one? This for the first one. Okay. Would be the first one. Okay. Dang. See, we got to think about those things. Because there's so many things. I think I would try to, like, get back into it. Because I took piano. So I played the trumpet, and I took piano lessons, too. And I think sometimes I think I was like, dang, you spent so much time doing that. And, of course, like, if you don't use it, you lose it, in a sense. So I don't really believe that either. Nope. I think you would be surprised. And that's why I would encourage you to do that. I really think you would be surprised. I'm going to try it. Because, like, our, our, the, the brain is really special. Yeah. Like, you know, just even think about your memories and mm-hmm. stuff like that and how vivid they can be sometimes. So well, I just need to find somebody to pay my bills for a year. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the real trick. <laughs> so. SOS, please help. Right. <laughs> okay, so then you were working with different organizations and schools. So how were you mailing out the boxes or what? 
at that point, did it become a matter of like, I have all of this stuff in my space. Like you guys come pick them up and then distribute them yourselves. No. So this summer we actually mailed out over 2000 boxes okay. um, or if we didn't mail them out, like if it was a Detroit program, they mm-hmm. came and picked up like 200 boxes at a time okay. and they distributed to their students. But we actually worked with um, UPS. Okay. And UPS was getting everything there next day. Okay. Anywhere nice. in Michigan. I think if it was like, you know, we did some California DCs and like further out, mm-hmm. um, it would probably be like two days. But UPS held us down. Yeah. Like that was the only people who were okay. actually delivering me. I know. I was time. like, this makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got to go to UPS. Okay. <laughs> that's exciting. I really love that though. That's like such a good idea. Everybody loves a subscription subscription box. That's such a hard and way girl, to say And girl, we was about. working. Like it would be like, yeah. I would be there every day at 830 and some days we didn't get out at 9 or 10. And I was just like, and then I would get up at 4.30 just to make sure I got all you melanin orders out. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was like, buy black, so stuff started going right. crazy. And I was like, you know, I got to ride both these ways, yeah. you know? So. Right. So you mentioned before we started recording that you wake up. Do you still wake up at 4.30? So, so this that? month, no. Okay. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it was like months on end. That was my schedule. Mm-hmm. Up at 4.30 at the latest. Wow. 4.30 is at the latest. But I had set myself on a strict bedtime at 9.30. Okay. So I was like, 9.30, I don't care who was calling, who was texting, anything. Like, it just didn't. It was like, I would be so tired. I shut down mm-hmm. at 9.30. So I think that was my balance, you okay. know. Um, and I, I was really, I really enjoyed that schedule. But like right now, I'm like, I'll be like, this is my relax season. I've yeah. been watching TV late. <laughs> What's late to you? Um, you know, that's funny because it's not that late. <laughs> but I'm thinking I, I went to bed at like 11 o'clock last oh, night. Oh, girl. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, you would die because I stay up to like 1 and 2 in the morning. Just. I don't even know my Just life. kicking it. Just. If I see 1 or 2, it's like I was watching a movie and I fell asleep and I woke back up. Okay. It's 1. I don't, like, I wish that I was more of a morning person, but I just feel like I work better. Like, I get like a burst, like. Around this time, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do stuff. And my friends think I'm crazy because they also shut down around like 9 30. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like texting them funny stuff. And I'm like, wow, nobody's responding to me. It's <laughs> so like, because they're asleep. That's so funny. And my accountant, who's actually one of my friends, she'll send me stuff. Um, she uh, teaches her stu- uh, her kids at home. So mm-hmm. she's like up around the clock. She has like three little ones. Okay. And she'd be like, yeah, I know you sleep, but I just wanted to see you this. Like, <laughs> she knows. I, oh, I could have been up. I was she's like, no, I sent that. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was always the one that went to sleep last. I sleep overs <laughs> and will wake up. the. <laughs> I would be the last one to wake up too. Right. Um, okay. So what's your favorite part about the lab drawer? Because like I said, I just feel like that could be so fulfilling just seeing kids like get so excited and like mm-hmm. seeing them do science. So that's the part we really love. But another thing is, so this fall we decided to do our own cohort mm-hmm. so we reached out to family and friends of middle school age students that we know we got them to like sign their student up so they get a free box every month okay not only that they get a whole saturday not a whole saturday they get about three hours with us on saturday mm-hmm. and we go through the experiment we learn we teach them additional skills around science and we've been monitoring them to like just see their level of knowledge so we'll test them before and after we kick it with them they kind of get to talk with each other we have students in arizona mm-hmm. um, michigan ohio and it's about 10 that we were working with to kind of like you know even give us feedback on our product okay like, what should we do differently yeah and i think that's really cool i think um 
the one experiment I was talking about when all the kids had to go back and forth to see the, see the big change, you know, you should hear them talking about it. And like, mm-hmm. we, they had beakers and like pipettes. Oh. And one of the girls was like, yeah, I felt fancy. Okay. You know, cause you are fancy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so it was really cool to see their feedback on actually using this real scientific, you know, equipment and understanding the names and things. But also like this one parent, um, she's out of Arizona. She sent us a video Mm-hmm. And the girl was just having a ball, just looking like your mini scientist. And I think that just warmed our hearts because we tell them, like, oh, share videos because we want to get organic content. Yeah. Right. And like, share it. I'm like, this is a whole commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, her mom makes sure to do it, but just to see their faces and they all like, they can't wait for their December box. Oh. So that's really been cool to like have the direct connection with students and actually hear their reactions to everything and mm-hmm. their feedback and kind of just kind of create this space for them. Um, and I think that's something we're going to do like here on out, whether yeah. we switch out students. But I think with the students now, we're going to probably monitor from like six months to a year. Okay. And just make sure they're getting the knowledge and like how the boxes is uh, affecting them. Like, you know, and if you do buy our subscription box, like being able to quantify that information, like with your student and things they're learning. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool for us. And actually got this Saturday coming up with them too. So okay. yeah, it's been really a cool. Part. What was in their box this month? What did we do? Oh, so this box is called the Picasso box, okay. right? So not only do they learn about, or we probably call it the Basquiat box this year, because I'm like, look, it's birthdays in December, okay. let's change it. So also not only, black. <laughs> right? Not only do they, uh, so they get this canvas, but they make all the paints and beakers and stuff first oh. that they actually can then use. To okay, paint. that's cool. Yeah, so they we teaching them like the chemistry of paints mm-hmm. and how to make paints from mica rock and then the powders and everything it comes from. And then they actually make these paints. They have a whole easel in there mm-hmm. and like a whole canvas. And then they actually can go ahead and paint their own picture at the end. Oh, that's so cute. So I yeah. want one. <laughs> Oh. And the crazy, you know, it's funny that you said that we did this thing for Tech Town. Mm-hmm. So we did chemistry and cocktails. So we did botanicals with just different bottles that you can actually infuse into drinks. Okay. So we've been out, and so we may even do that as a big thing because people have hit us up from yeah. Michigan State, like, hey, can you guys? <laughs> Please. Yeah. I think everybody could use a cocktail. Oh, yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially one that you made yourself. Yes. Okay. Well, I would like to get an adult version of. A lab drawer box. Yes. <laughs> Just say. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. So you mentioned earlier also before we started recording that you never thought you would be an entrepreneur, but you're here now. Mm-hmm. How has it been? I was watching your story earlier. You were talking about um, a program that you just went through for small business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some things that you've learned? Some maybe some hiccups that you've made that you're like, I will never, ever, ever make that mistake again. But really just how has your journey been so far? Um, So it's been really interesting. I, I want to say this. First of all, I love my journey, but it has not been easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot you see like the glitz and glamour yeah. um, and just not the long hours. And I think we hear people say this a lot, but we just really don't really understand it because still nobody's showing it. Right. Mm-hmm. We all say it. Um, So it's been really interesting when I first launched it. It was a really cool idea. People were really gravitated towards it. But that only goes so far, right? right? You have to really figure out how to market it, how to have your reach, how to do your brand awareness. So I kind of shot off, like, I'm signing up for everybody class. I'm signing up for everybody pitch competition. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't recommend you do this because I kind of was, like, about to be burnt out. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of, I learned a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, I learned a lot of different business concepts. So when I started, I already knew how to build a website and mm-hmm. I already knew how to file my LLC. Okay. Right. So I was further along than even probably like the average person just out the gate. Mm-hmm. But then it was like business classes that I took about business plan. I still haven't refined my business plan to this day because it's ever changing. Yeah. 
Um, but the most important thing I would tell an entrepreneur is like, and you can't, you have to just do. Yeah. Right. And then you refine from there. Like, don't worry about getting everything perfect. But once you do start making some money, you need to know your numbers. Mm-hmm. When I've like pitched and different things like that, knowing my numbers have really set me apart and being able to tell my story in a very compelling and effective way. Right. Or like, you know, and having that extra purpose, like, why are you even doing this? Like, yeah. why should we buy from you? Like, mm-hmm. why should we work with you? And so those are some really important things. And um, the program I just finished was called the Goldman Sachs uh, 10,000 Small Business Program. Okay. It was probably the best program I've ever did, but the most challenging program ever. Okay. Like, I think we, we graduated yesterday. And I was like, oh, I'm so ready to do Thank you. I was like, <laughs> I never worked this hard. I'm so ready. Like, when I tell you numbers, like, it was a whole numbers class. Okay. Yeah, so I would definitely work, you know, an entrepreneur probably later in mm-hmm. their, you know, first five years. Okay. Probably, like, year three is, like, ideal for that, unless you're just really on it. Um, because they really test you. Okay. About, not physical tests, but, like, it just tests you as an entrepreneur and, like, getting your numbers and being able to forecast your numbers okay. in the future and different things like that. That program was really tough. Um, but also, you know, curating your product or your your what you're doing as a brand, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, you know, the way I curated you, Melanin, was... I wasn't planning on making t-shirts and sweatshirts forever. Like uh-huh. that wasn't the idea, but wanted to kind of lay the, uh, the, you know, the foundation so I can actually use that. Cause the whole thing was nobody knows what you know and it is right now I they just do today. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now they do. So what does the next phase look like? Right. So just laying that foundation and then growing from there. Like mm-hmm. if you want something and not riding trends, right. Yeah. People would be like, oh, you should make a shirt with another saying. I was like, but I don't want to be marketing as a T-shirt brand, you know. Right. Like, my whole focus is my color palette. So that's where, you know, we're making sure we move in that direction. Um, So that's kind of just how I um, kind of maneuver in my entrepreneur journey. But also, um, I didn't take any loan funding, but I also pitch, like, being very innovative with pitching and making sure, you know, writing grants. But pitching actually really the world just loves pitches. So yeah. That's the big thing. Yeah. So if you if you're not afraid, I would say pitch, take classes to sometimes they allow you to pitch. But like go that route so you can actually make sure this is something you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so don't quit your job. Right. <laughs> you know, I tell people all that time, like, I wanted to quit my job too. Yeah. But I just wanted to quit it. The numbers didn't make sense. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Me <you>. right now. <laughs> they're not gonna all of a sudden make sense if you quit your job. Yeah. So just even like telling entrepreneurs that, like, yeah, and like, you know. Really think about what an entrepreneur is. Like, sometimes we like to call ourselves entrepreneurs, but if you ain't made no money, like, then what what are we saying? You know, entrepreneurs can pay their own bills, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes we can't, but you actually are making some money. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I would set a goal, like, honestly, I would say $25,000 a year before you really step away from something, right? Because you have proved your market at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, You have proved that somebody wants to buy your product um, Mm -hmm. and enough people want to buy your product. Um, so that's kind of how I maneuver my journey. Um, I definitely wanted to quit my job and like do like really extreme moves. And I yeah. was like, yeah, girl, who going to pay your rent? Who is going to do it? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody, baby. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely understand that. I feel that I'm not an impulsive person when it comes to stuff like that. When people just leave jobs, honestly, when people just leave and don't even like give a note, I'm like, oh my God, that's so scandalous. <laughs> how could you? The scandal. <laughs> the scandal of it all. Yeah. So I feel like, if I do decide to go that route, it's definitely going to be, I have to write stuff down too. And if it don't oh, yeah. make sense when I'm like writing notes, I'm like, we just not going to do it. Historically, the best entrepreneurs have had that outlook. Like, oh, you know, the whole security mm-hmm. layer, they actually make the best out, uh, entrepreneurs because one, now you're not throwing your business around in dire need. Yeah. You know, you're not making bad decisions and choices for your next check. I'm mm-hmm. um, so like, it's plenty of books and research on that. Like, yeah. 
the best entrepreneurs don't just jump out there with mm-hmm. no safety net. Yeah. So. Shout out to y'all that did and do, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that though, because I know there's a lot of programs and stuff out there, but I know sometimes people can be like, I'm just going to hoard this information for myself because it, I worked so hard to get here. It's so many programs too. Like if you ever have any questions, let me know. Cause I've done build Institute. Mm-hmm. Tech Town Retail Bootcamp, Prosper Us Detroit, um, Goldman Sachs was probably the hardest one to get into. Girl, they they interview me like crazy, um, but I, like I said, that's a little later in your business. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's a lot of different programs and resources mm-hmm. out here. But yeah, and that kind of you know what that kind of bugs me too. How people hoard information because I'm yeah. like. I can give you my playbook and I'm still going to win. Right. So I think like what's for you is for you. And mm-hmm. I think we have to stop looking at it like that. Yeah. Um. And, pe- you know, and so it's been very interesting. I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And mm-hmm. like, if I can give somebody a couple gems, exactly. so like, you don't have to go through it the hard way also. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't mind sharing because like you said, what's for me is for me. Like what is going to happen to me from telling somebody like, Oh, this is this person's contact information. Like, or this is a program that I went through or, you know, like, what do you lose from that? Right. Nothing. Nothing. So. And you just open the door for more things to flow in freely to you. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Um. Okay. I have two more questions for you. Yay. <laughs> uh, three. Sorry, I lied. Okay. So what would you want the main takeaway for people to have when they're um, coming in contact with new melanin or the lab drawer? Um, even the Juneteenth festival, like what would you say? And I know this is a loaded question, but like, what is your purpose at the end of the day? Would you say? So it's funny you said that. So I think about this all the time and I want people to know about me in particular, like my work was always founded and will be centered around improving the lives of black and brown people globally. Like that's what my foundation of my work is. And that's what all my companies were birthed across. And like my way of doing that is incorporating science, you know, something that sometimes we're left out of. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's actually my, you know, my purpose. And I feel like the foundation built on all my companies. And I think that's why it works for me. Like, yeah. cause it's like also who I am. Right. So I don't feel like I'm stretching outside of who I am or what I'm interested in, um, to create these companies. And it's kind of been created very seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's my, that's my sweet spot. You know, um, that's my purple cow, yeah. like infusing the science into what I do across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and just making sure, you know, I power black and brown people, especially black people. That's, yeah. you know, that's my number one mission um, in all the work that I do, whether it's through education, um, whether it's just making sure we are loving ourselves. Right. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of issues we even run into is a real reflection of self-love. Mm-hmm. Right. Colorism is because we don't love ourselves. You know, right. all these things, you know, byproduct of how we've been treated by right. you know, racism. So that's what I really want to put out the world. That's what I just believe my work is. And it's really been seamless and it's so crazy because people find me right like you know um dropping a tidbit here so um my company they reached out to me so i'm going to be doing a national commercial that's going to that's actually we're filming next week um that's going to be like national um so they found uh, the company and it's featuring like black women on um brands and entrepreneurs um but you know just you know when i feel like when you're in line with the work you do and your purpose like these things Mm kind of happen like a lot of things have happened naturally and i was like okay i couldn't be having good luck for this long (laughs) you know so it's really cool like how everything is coming and i just really like i'm excited to do this work you know even i have days like i ain't doing nothing right but you know excited to do this work and you know add to this change in our communities Mm -hmm. are you allowed to tell us um what the commercial is for or not yet um when this air? 
Well, I was going to put it out like Monday, Tuesday. Uh, probably not me. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll just wait. <laughs> yes. That's fine. Okay. I just don't want them coming at me. Yeah. And cutting me out. No, what? I understand. Right. <laughs> right. She said too much. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just wait. We'll just be on the lookout. Um, so what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? I think what it just means is to, you know, represent who I am, represent the city I come from and be very unapologetic about that. Right. You know, who I am, what I stand for. And it's so funny when um, I found a you melanin, I had to have a talk with myself. Like mm-hmm. you're making a company for black people. Mm-hmm. Everybody going to be shouting that they're not included or having yeah. all these different things. And even still, when I founded my company, I've probably pitched my company in front of white people way more mm-hmm. for a spot in the mall or for this or for that. And I think even in my Goldman Sachs program, my um, business advisor that they give us was black. And I was like, okay. no, you're the first black person that somebody finally gave me. Out of all this time that you've been doing this. I've been doing all these <laughs> programs and I really had to talk with myself and just be um, strong in what I believed. And like, this is my purpose and this is what I'm standing on. And like not, not be bothered by a lot of side chatter because I've heard so many things and it's like, I don't even address them. Even with my, uh, the girl who runs the social media, we talked about this and she'll send me messages that people say, I'm like, we're not answering that. Yeah. It's, it doesn't regard an answer. Like, someone said, well, why you don't make stuff? Because I make stuff uh, to empower black and brown people because they have deal with oppression. They have deal with discrimination mm-hmm. based on your skin tone. Have you? Right. People want to be oppressed so bad. <laughs> right. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not. And it's just like, you know, that's what we're trying to uplift. And so, you know, I just really had to be strong and really stand in what I believe, yeah. you know, who I am. And I think that's what moved me forward. Like, cause now I'm like, when people say something, I'm like, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I'm like, like next, just right. delete the message. I'm good for that. Like when I have to respond to people, like some people that just say crazy stuff in our DMs at work, I'm just like, I'm just going to delete this. Like, right. I, like this, like you said, it doesn't regard a response. Like you don't need to, I don't need to interact with you. And I can't out crazy crazy like I yeah. don't like if you're responding this way like you're you're missing the whole message. You're missing the message, and you just want to rise out of whoever is on the other side. Like mm-hmm. you're not saying this because you really care. You're not saying this because you're legitimately upset. You're like, you know what? I just feel like choosing chaos today. <laughs> so that's go what be I'm mad in the corner by yourself. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. And then lastly, where can people connect with you on social and on the web? Yeah, so you can connect with us at our website, www.umelanin.com. We also have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, It's at umelanin and underscore at the end. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to visit us, we're actually in the Detroit Shipping Company um, right now. We have a store in there. Um, So that's in uh, Midtown Detroit. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're kind of on social media. You know, keep keep it going. Yeah. The page is very cute, very aesthetically pleasing. Yes, got all the brown tones and shades all there. All of them. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. I enjoyed my time. Thank you. I had fun, and I learned a lot. Thank you for teaching me science. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, whatever you need. Thanks. As always, guys, thanks for listening, and I want you to remember that Detroit girls do it better, and we'll be back next week.